Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Not to move on too quickly. Uh, well, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about this first. But uh, before we get started, I want to. I'm Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today, Nico Moreno, friend of the show. Uh, he's here mainly to talk about the Champions League match on Tuesday against Club Leon. But uh, welcome to the show, Nico. Hey, what's up, Jeremiah? That uh, great and wonderful so- uh, so- sound of our heart audience uh, coming into you with. Uh, you know, uh, in one one sense, excited about a big CCL game here um, with uh, some concerns about the that Sounder team is going to take the field tomorrow. And then also, you know, saddened by uh, everything that kind of happened and occurred in, in Mexico that you wish would just find its way outside of our soccer community. Yeah, not a never a dull week uh, when it comes to the news these days. Um, and this week it was absolute tragedy in Liga MX. Uh, there was a I I would urge everyone not to go out and look at this, but there is there was a massive br- fight in the stands at uh, Queretaro and Atlas this weekend, and there was injuries. There may have been deaths. It's an absolute crazy scene. There's lots of video. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I wouldn't go searching for it. It's pretty gruesome, some of it. But um, I don't want to. I don't want to wash over it too quickly. We will get to that as it affects this game. But I guess the short version is: is it's not going to affect this game, right? Like, there's no. As far as we know, uh, Liga MX is not handing down any sort of uh, league-wide. Uh, limitations as far as we know they're still selling tickets to games the the champions league legs that are in mexico uh there's one this week between cruz azul and cf montreal and they're as far as we can tell i had heard that they might be playing that behind closed doors but last i looked they're actually selling tickets so uh it doesn't look like on the field there's really any impact as far as the sounders or champions league is concerned right yeah absolutely i mean um at first, when this all kind of played out, there were talks about, um, you know, every game being postponed for the rest of the year, that they were going to cancel the tournament. You know, there's so much, there was so much speculation on the 
disciplinary actions that were going to come down to Liga MX. There were so many uh, rumors and talks about, you know, the amount of people hurt and injured in, in the city. It was just a lot of speculation. But when it's all been said and done, when, you know, the the, the water stopped boiling and you kind of look at it, it, it just, there was some um, postponed games uh, this week. I think Pumas, Mazatlan, Pachuca, Tigres, or a couple of the games that were uh, postponed. But, there's still to be said what's going to happen within Liga MX and if there's going to be any more fines. Uh, the federation's already told people to just cautiously not talk about Querétaro being affiliated from Liga MX. So they're already telling people that it might not be as severe penalties and repercussions to everything that happened, which is kind of sad in that stance. In terms of CONCACAF Champions League, definitely nothing until this point. I've talked to my contacts within CONCACAF about if this was going to change any of the games within MLS teams, if there were going to be maybe the possibility that those games do not get played in Mexico, and that is not the case at this moment. At this particular time, I have not heard that there's going to be any changes. Today, Brian... Schmetzer talked about him feeling safe to, to travel to Mexico. Um, so I don't think there's going to be any issues for MLS teams and how the games are played for CCL. Yeah. I mean, I would say from a purely practical perspective, you would think that there's probably never been a safer time to play in Mexico than right after a situation like this, because everyone's going to be on high alert, presumably, right? Like they're going to have enhanced yeah. security. They're going to have, you know, <clears throat> everyone's going to be a little bit more sensitive to the safety concerns. So <clears throat> as far as the players go, I mean, I would think that it's relatively safe. It's just, it's just a, it's just a horrible situation. Um, but let's, let's, we'll get to all the champions league stuff in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, Sounders are coming off uh, a frustrating, maybe predictable one zero loss to Real Salt Lake predictable, because they never win in Salt Lake. It's now been uh, 12 years since they since they won a, a regular season game in in uh, in in Salt Lake. I believe it's 12 years. 2011 was the last time we won a regular season game. I have to do the math, but whatever. A uh, long time, more than a decade. And they rolled out a pretty heavily rotated lineup. They had six changes from the from the weekend. I don't think that was totally uh unpredictable it was you know I, they were signs that they were probably going to rotate the lineup and i think they could make the case like if if you're if you're playing a must win game on tuesday and you have a not must win game on saturday you know uh you're probably going to want to you know keep some of your powder dry so to speak what did you make of that lineup decision is this the you think that's the right call uh yes i mean yes and no i i would have liked maybe more of a settled change that that six changes to the formation first of all to personnel and then to the formation were were a lot to deal with look i understand that this team played with a, a three-man back line last season but it was pretty clear that the new formation uh was 
the main point of emphasis getting into the season. Uh, they really worked it. They started, uh, you know, games with it. They were successful with it. And now you make the changes. You put a uh, Jackson Reagan who, you know, he, he played very well. You, you got to say it. He, I think he looked the part, um, but still, you know, there's miscommunications. There's things within all those changes that I think could have been prevented. And, and that is obviously all my assumption, right? I'm, I'm no Brian Smetzer. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here with, as we say in, in Latin America, with the newspapers uh, under my arm and telling you after the matter that the changes that have been made. But when I first saw the lineup, that was my first reaction. I thought there was a lot of changes on personnel information. It seemed like too many things at one time. I asked Brian about it. He did not agree. You know, he obviously talked about the fact that they've played within this formation and they had guys that had you know, played within it, but uh, that's what I thought. I thought that the changes could have been a little bit more settled uh, within this game. I, I get the fact that you have to use the depth of your roster when you have a big game coming up, when you have a some lingering injuries, when you have question marks, when you have a lot of minutes played. Uh, I thought it was telling that he wanted to keep Yamar out of this game, but for some reason, in some situation with A.B. Sosoko, he ends up playing. So I think he just wanted his best players to be rested, to be ready for a real tough game and one that you have to win. It's not about getting a result. It's not about no. keeping the clean sheets. It's about getting the W in Seattle. Yeah, and I would say that <clears throat> they probably needed to, uh, like, to win by more than one goal. Like History tells us that winning by one mm. goal is great, but if you want to advance beyond a Mexican team, you need to give yourself a little bit more of a cushion than that. They've beaten Mexican teams plenty of times. Uh, what they haven't done is beaten them by two goals. And the one time they did win their home game by two goals was against Tigres back in 2013. And they advanced. That was the only time they've advanced uh, in the knockout stage against a Mexican team. And I think they probably need something similar, you know, two, zero, three, three, one would even be fine. Uh, and, but, and you can tell you can tell that he's really weighing on Brian that there's a lot going on because that's what I wanted to get out of him today in that press conference. I wanted to I want him to talk a little bit more about how much he's going to mean to to play here in Seattle. But he just he seemed a little annoyed, and and I think he, he, that yeah, he did. it's yeah right, and, and that is because. I feel for him, right? He he has this plan. He really wants this to work. He's you kind of put all your eggs in one basket in in certain in some sense by doing all this rotation. And now, you know, you might not have certain guys play this game, and this is a difficult situation. So, uh, but it's big. You're you're right. You you have to perhaps win by a couple of goals to give yourself the best chance to go down uh, to Leon and 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 get a, a decent result. Yeah, uh, and and Leon is not a team that should. You know, the Sounders shouldn't be scared of Leon, but the Sounders need to like play well for their own reasons too. Like they they have not looked great outside of the the home leg against Montagua. Uh, that's probably an understatement. They haven't scored a goal in any of the other three games. Uh, they haven't even looked super dangerous in any of them. They've only given up. Uh, they've only given up two goals in those other games, but that's maybe even a little bit kind. They're giving up chances, but you know, going back to the. Uh, to the Yamar situation on Saturday, what we were told, I think a lot of us were probably wondering like, okay, so why would you bring out the same team from this two hour weather delay? And then at halftime, which came two minutes later, 
make three changes. Like you at that, because at that point, if you make three changes, you, you now only have two subs left and you have three windows to make those two subs. So like, and, and we asked Brian about that and he explained, well, actually my plan was only to make two subs at halftime. And then I was going to make three subs. I wanted to have three subs to make during the second half, but uh, AB Sissoko uh, apparently suffered some sort of muscle injury in the two minutes between coming back from halftime and, uh, or coming back from the weather delay and halftime. And so Yamar had to play when it sounds like Yamar, the plan was to get the whole day off. Uh, presumably he was planning on using a Denrin or someone else like that off the bench later in the game uh, if they had to chase a goal. But it was, you know, it was a pretty ugly game. Those, especially those four minutes uh, between, you know, right when they came back from the delay and right when they came out of the second half were, were pretty sloppy. They gave up a couple, like probably three chances, uh, only one of them obviously ended up being a goal, but they gave up a bunch of chances early on and it did look like they were, you know, out of sorts. Uh, one of the, you know, you, you point to Jackson Reagan having a, a really good game. I actually thought he may have been the man of the match. Uh, if it wasn't Stephen Fry or, or Freddie Montero, I suppose. Uh, but I thought Reagan looked very good in his MLS debut, but he was a little slow to come out on the goal. Uh, it looked like he wasn't quite sure where to step and he had just switched sides. Uh, he had started as a right center back. He moved to less center back and it looked like he may have gotten caught a little bit between two minds on the goal. Um, but what did you, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you though give them a little bit of a pass because of all the mitigating circumstances around that game? Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, and, you know, I like to use that Bob Ross, you know, don't, don't, don't look at the tree, look at the, the forest, you know, see, see that behind, you know, that, that, that paradise behind it, uh, because you, you do have to see it that way. I mean, everything is circumstantial and I had somebody ask me, which I thought was a fair question. Hey, so does the narrative change if they lose to Leon and you did that and missed out on a game that you could have won? No, yeah. it's no. circumstantial. You you got to go within, you got to give your chance, your team the best chance to win. And this is the best right. way that, that Brian can give this team an opportunity to win this game. So uh, with that in mind, uh, yes, you do give him a pass. Um, I was concerned at Kellen Rose form throughout the game. Uh, it, it was just a really, really bad game for him uh, coming out of the bag, bad decisions, uh, looking a little bit off, reading the ball, not reacting in time. Uh, I thought Baker, when those substitutions were made and he's kind of have to do a different role, he gets cut up and it's Part of the issue within that goal, Ariaga, like always, man, he's uh, he's such a good guy. He wants to do it right, but he gets caught on times. He got caught on this one, got caught looking. Then he recovers well and slides, gets the stop. But Real Salek is lucky enough that Bobby is right there to just put his second chance on goal and, and it's just difficult. So, yes, I give him a pass, but the specific – performance of some players is a little bit concerning. Leo Chu being one of them. Uh, I thought Chu looked good on the ball at times, but I get why Brian perhaps does not use him as much. There was a couple of moments in which without the ball, he's not moving in the right places, right? Bruce Tank is coming in. He has the ball. He, he's making his own space. And instead of 
pulling your mark and, and giving him more space, you, you're getting too close and, and you're tucking inside and not allowing him to flow deeper into the opposing attack, right? So uh, those are the things that I noticed. I thought Freddie did okay for the small chances he had. If there's something that this team is going to have to do without Raul Ridiaz is really try to affect the game in mid-range shots. And I think he does that. He really just goes for it. And a couple of those shots gave some trouble uh, uh, to uh, MacMath. So I like that about Raul, about Freddie Montero. So those were some of the things that I noticed within this game. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I don't think you you stepped... I will say that my one personal frustration is that, you know, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time both online and on this podcast defending... Kellen Rowe and Javier Arriaga. And then they both do have games that are very much like the games that everyone accuses them of having all the time. Uh, but Kellen and, and Javier were both pretty rough in this one. I thought they both had a couple of mistakes uh, that were, I know people will laugh at this, but I think are kind of uncharacteristic mistakes. Like they, you know, like they don't make this kind of mistakes they're accused of making as often as they made them in this one. But they, this was a bad game for them. It was. This, it it, it uh, was. But what I will say about Javi though is that with with Reagan and Sissoko in it, that dynamic changes. And yeah, switching sure. from a two man CB to three CBs, it, it's difficult. And I've said this a long time. Yamar is Javier's best friend when it comes to how good he can play within a system. I mean, he's that guy that's always chirping at his ear. He's that guy that's letting him know where to go, where to move. And and, and with all these Avenger talk, I mean, that that's the Ariaga is the Drax, right? He He's aggressive. He's going to go kill it, right? But he he might hinder your your mission because he's a little too aggressive, right? So yeah. that's him. And he, he needs that guy next to him to let him know when not to do all that. Yeah, he's, I don't know. So if he's Drax, who does that, what does that make Yamar? Oh, he's the Hulk, baby. He's that. He's oh, the okay. guy that he he he's two sides, right? You you've always seen Yama with a big smile. He's this big guy. He's that banner, but he could turn into that Hulk as well. He got the the physical build. He's that guy that kind of balances thing out because he does got that smartness, that brightness to his game. So yeah, that's why he's he's banner. He, he's the Hulk. Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad you clearly have given this a lot of thought. I which I appreciate. Uh, Way too much. Yeah. So it's, I think it's interesting that you point out Leo too, because I think that was one of the ones that people were, uh, it was a little bit of a, uh, people were frustrated, I think, uh, that he came out in the 68th minute. But I, I think it's worth noting that you, you pointed out a few of his, his mistakes. He also had a couple turnovers. But I think more than that, the, that was really about Brian wanting to move to a two forward set. And he wanted Morris to be the other forward. Now, how effective was it? Not super effective, but I think you can at least understand the tactical thinking behind why do you bring, why do you take off? Because uh, Leo Chu was kind of dangerous to the degree that anyone was dangerous, but um, you know, and, and they're chasing a goal, so why why are you taking off an offensive player when you when you need more offense? But again, I think you have to understand that it was there was more thinking than just a one for one switch. It was trying to change up the whole tactical approach. And, uh, and, and their hope was that Morris was going to help stretch the field a little bit more. He has not been able to do that so far this year. I don't know. I don't really have a good reason for it. He seems like he's got his legs, uh, but he, he hasn't really been able to get in behind. No one in the Sounders has been able to get in behind. Uh, it seems like they've been kind of stuck uh, playing in the middle third a lot more than, than they would like. 
that Raul factor, man, that Raul factor is big. Not having Raul in there just kind of changes a lot of things. But in terms of Jordan, particularly, I have seen him just doubt himself a little too much. There was a couple of times in this Real Salt Lake game where I thought he could have cut back inside and, uh, you know, be the, 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 the defender with his speed. And instead of taking that shot in a bad angle, maybe run into the box and either look for the foul in the box or take a better shot. And he has the wheels for it. He has the, the physical strength for it, but it kind of seemed like he is just not trusting himself enough. And that goes back to Nashville as well. There were times where I felt like he could have been a little bit more, um, selfish and, mm. and, and maybe just, just, just try to go for it. Be, be a little defiant. Right. I mean, he, he, he's playing it safe. I get it. He wants to just uh, be productive and be effective, but sometimes with his characteristics and his ability to stretch the field, I would like to see him a little bit more defiant and ready to take on the one-on-one to change the game. And, and I think that's some of the things that we haven't seen from him this season, particularly. I will say uh, in Morris's credit, he, he was in front. He was involved in probably their best pure chance, which was he drove to his, uh, his left foot sent in a cross that Freddie actually got on the end of, he just put it wide. Um, Mm -hmm. That was probably their best chance, but we need more of that. Uh, You know, you can't look at one chance, any one chance and be like, Oh, if they had just finished that, it would have been fine. It's like, well, no, you got to create a bunch of those chances or else you don't finish enough of them. Uh, just like Freddie had a bunch, you know, he had a couple really, you know, he had a couple looks that I don't think they were great looks, but he turned them into decent chances because he, he put good shots on frame. Uh, and if someone was there to pick up the rebound, it might have been even better. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, it we, we maybe don't want to get too bogged down in that because we have another game on Tuesday that really this is what, you know, everything was that was done on Saturday was really with an eye towards towards Tuesday against Club Leon. Uh, what can you tell us about how Leon is coming into this game? Are they, are they flying high? I know they were, they played in the championship game last uh, in the, in the last uh, play at Ligila, right? Ligila. Yeah. Uh, they, um, they started off uh, rough. I would say, I think that they had their issues initially, but, but they've uh, put it together. They, they've really fixed it up over the last five games. I believe they've only had one, one loss. I think that um, they are a team that, benefits a lot on uh, their speed out wide and and on having a couple of really good uh, forwards. I think defensively, they haven't been as sound as they've been in the past. Um, uh, Chapito Montes just runs this team. He is the one that uh, is the director uh, of the orchestra. He is the one, he's the epicenter of all their attacks. And he is the guy that Seattle is going to have to just look for number 10 and and really try to disconnect them away from... uh, uh, everything that Leon tries to do. Uh, they like to play from outside in, uh, kind of stretch you out wide, bring the ball, ball back, back centrally, and either get you over the top of your defenders or with through balls. They, they really play uh, to what in Spanish roughly translated would be to the limit. So if, if your back line is playing a little high, they're going to play you almost offside and they're just going to almost wait for you to think that they're offside and then make that run at the last minute. And Montes or uh, Rodriguez will either put a ball through the middle or over the top. So Seattle's going to have to really watch that. Um, 
I, I think that Seattle is going to have to be very compact defensively because I did hear from Brian, and I know that this is what he wants, and he wants to be aggressive, wants to create tempo, but he cannot get caught too high because it could really affect them against this Leon team. So who are the other, who are the danger guys that the Sounders need to be uh, keeping an eye on? I know Angel Mena is the guy who scored two in the league's cup final, but he's been dealing with an injury, I guess. Yeah, he's been dealing with an injury. He came back in his Monterey, got some minutes. It still doesn't look quite to his top level. Uh, he was on the bench uh, against Juarez, didn't get in, uh, probably thinking of this game. So he is at 34 years old, one of their best players without a doubt. Uh, he did have, I believe, an MCL, ACL that he recovered from. So it's not a, a minor injury. Um, and so we'll see how much time he gets in this one. But Victor Davila is a guy that can do a lot of those things as well. He uh, is uh, someone who from his position, really likes to gas the defense. He's going to do a lot of running. He's going to come at you. He's going to get wide. He's going to come inside. Um, he's going to change a lot of positions with whoever they decide their nine is because um, uh, they have been rotating some guys. So that's another player who I would really be careful. Montes, uh, uh, Villa. Um, in the back line, uh, Tesillo, uh, the Colombian center back who likes to get forward a lot, uh, especially within their formation. You'll see him get a little high, put some through balls. He, he does a little bit of the Javier Arriaga role on their end where, you know, he's kind of getting a little bit more forward and putting balls through. Um, and, and yeah, just, those are some of the players. Uh, for them, uh, they have some uh, injuries that I thought were interesting to bring up. Uh, specifically uh, the one of Osby. Uh, Osby Rodriguez is a fullback that gets forward well, that El Tata Martino has brought him in to play for uh, the national team because he has been that good. Uh, he did not travel with the team. Omar Fernandez didn't either. Um, so those are two, uh, I would say, significant players that won't be in this in-game particularly, but they still have a lot of firepower. Uh, I think Kota is a very solid goalkeeper, hard to beat. Um, set pieces, I think, are going to have to be big for Seattle. And I hate saying it because they have not been very effective when it comes to set pieces, right? But it's a place where I think Leon has struggled with at times and where Seattle could try to make a difference in this one. Yeah, they're, uh, for people that are wondering, they're, they're currently sitting fourth in the, in the uh, Clausura table. Uh, they have gone on a pretty decent run recently. They're they're three zero and one in their last four. So it's been, um, I think that's right, or was it lost one? Yeah, three zero and one in the last four. So um, you know, it's it's a team that's that's a little bit up in the coming up. They've recovered a little bit from a from a slow start, but yeah, I mean the Sounders should know this team well. Uh, I was a little surprised. Brian sort of blew off the possibility that uh, having played them relatively recently would be to the Sounders' benefit, or at least make scouting it a little easier, but it's pretty rare that an MLS team will have played a competitive match against uh, a foreign opponent twice in the span of, I don't know, I guess it's been about six months. Uh, that's, that's not normally how this goes. So the Sounders at the very least know what they're up against. They know the strengths of Leon. There's no reason they should be overlooking them. Not that they would overlook any Mexican opponent, but I mean, I, I would think that this, 
potentially plays to their favor. I know I felt uh, in the league's cup final, if this was a two legged tie uh, where one of the legs was in Seattle and one of them was in Mexico, that the Sounders, you know, probably would have done a little bit better than they did uh, in, in Las Vegas, which was very much a club lay crowd. I don't know what the crowd is going to look like at this one. Usually uh, there's usually a pretty solid Mexican uh, fan base that shows out for uh, anytime a Mexican team comes here, but unlike the league's cup, which was not part of the season ticket package, this game is effectively part of the season ticket package. So you would think more Sounders fans would be there than for league's cup, which had pretty uh, low attendance, but I always, I love it when Mexican teams are in town. I just, I think it's, it's really this cool moment where we get to see uh, oftentimes multi-generations of fans come in and, you know, sometimes the, the parents are wearing the, the Mexican jerseys and the kids are playing the, wearing the Sounders jerseys. And I don't know. I just love that stuff. I think this is like what soccer is all about. This is what makes it fun. Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, Los Panzas Verdes or the Green Bellies, as they call this team, uh, they are a, a fun team. They have a really good, strong crowd, uh, a fan base that has dealt with relegation and not being in first division. And they've always held strong. I've heard that is one of the best stadiums to go to in terms yeah, of atmosphere, great. location. Um, so th- they're a fun team to watch. I do know that there is a a, a small fan base here. Uh, I used to work with a, uh, a guy who was from Leon and uh, they, they ran like 20, 30 deep. So I know that little crew at least will be there. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be real interesting on how, how they play this game uh, with, with the game being pushed back the second leg. Uh, I'm really curious on how, how that, that's going to end up working out um, and, and how much risks Leon is going to come and take in this one. Right. So if I Mena has been struggling with uh, just, or just rehabbing and just getting some minutes back, how much do you really play them uh, in the middle of the field? Do they go with Ambriz in this one? Uh, a really interesting 18 year old in the midfield that, that does things well, or are they going to go with the veteran Rodriguez that, you know, it's probably your best bet. So there might be some changes, some switches. Uh, but this Leon team, if anything, is very steady, has a very low floor. If I explain myself, they're just very even, right? Even killed. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're gonna high stay floor very... is what I think you mean. They have oh, a high oh, floor. High floor. I'm sorry. I, That's I okay. Yeah, high floor. They got a very high floor. They, they do things very steady. They do. They have a system uh, uh, within that organization. And although, uh, you know, the, the coach is rather new, uh, I think he's implemented his identity uh, quickly. And you see it in the standings today because uh, – uh, about two weeks ago, uh, this team was eighth or so in, in the standing. So they're really coming up. They really pushed their way up because they're starting to uh, really understand the way uh, that their manager wants them to play. Well, Nico, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your insight, uh, especially into this Club Leon match. I am looking forward to it. I Like I said, I always like it when uh, we get to play these games. I think this is what you know, got me interested in soccer. And this is what I think got a lot of people interested in soccer. So uh, it's exciting to see. Hopefully we have a good crowd out there uh, and hopefully the Sounders can, can win this one and it will make Saturday, whatever happens Saturday feel worth it. If they win two zero, I don't, I don't think we're going to hear anything more about uh, Salt Lake. If they lose or they tie things could get kind of uh, ugly around here. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen.
Absolutely. Jeremiah, we cannot go without, uh, I know your, your fan base. I know Sandra Hardman, th- th- these guys are involved to the max and they're on my uh, uh, lines in Twitter. They're in yours. And I know they're going to be asking about some of these guys that are not going to be playing this game. Oh yeah. I guess we should um, talk about that. Yeah, so Raul Ridiaz definitely out for this one. Will Bruin as well. Jimmy Medranda, Josh Atencio. What's really concerning was something that uh, got put out on Twitter. I believe you also mentioned that uh, Nicolás Zodero was not seen at training. Um, and and it's a little bit concerning simply because he is one of those guys that you uh, usually see it, it, yeah, not just within the the training grounds, but talking to guys when it comes to games of this magnitude. So, if he is not training and, and there's a possibility that he's not gonna play, uh, that's gonna be difficult for Seattle to really uh, get going with so many absences. Man, Raúl and Nico are a huge part of this team. They're two yeah. of your three DPs, and uh, it's just it's tough. It is tough, and it's part of you know it's it's part of what's so frustrating is that we were. I think you and I and just about everyone else that looked at this team on paper and thought, man, if they can get all these guys on the field together, it's going to be pretty great. And here we are. It's only, you know, what we're now four games, four competitive games into the season. And, you know, that's not a lot, but we haven't seen all, you know, their front six was really what all this star power was. And we haven't seen them play that front six together at all. Uh, And most of the games we've been missing two of those guys. Uh, the good news is that it looks like Joe Paolo is, is starting to get back to full fitness. You know, Jordan Morris looks like he's fit. Christian Roldan looks like he's fit. Uh, so, you know, those are, th- that's all good. Uh, Albert Rusnak looks like he's fit, even if he hasn't been as productive as we would like, but Nico Ladero and Raul Ruiz Diaz, I don't know what's going on in terms of like when we're going to see them get fully fit, but hopefully uh, they can at least contribute something to the, the return leg, but it's not looking real good that they're going to be available for this first leg at all. Yeah. That, and, and that's something that's tough to criticize it is. And I know that there's going to be some that just say, Hey, you always got to be ready for injuries. And I get it. Look, I, I thought that if there's, if there was any room to, to criticize, uh, I thought that this team could have used another winger and perhaps another striker uh, that they would have brought in. But then you go back and you look and you understand that they see a, a Samuel uh, that, that has some potential and you want to get him involved. And you have Will Bruin that has been productive for you in the past. And a Freddie Montero that was also very productive for you last season. Yeah. So, so you, so, so you understand that, you know, you, you're trying to work a system uh, and maybe you thought that you had these players and now they're all missing to injuries, which are, you know, just impossible to predict at times. Yeah. Yeah. It's very frustrating. I, I think it's looking good for Will Bruin to potentially be back for the galaxy match, which would mean that he's also available for the uh, Leon return leg. So that would be helpful, but yeah, I mean, it's, and, and the reality is that, you know, you can only go so deep uh, at most of these positions. Uh, the Sounders do have some ability to add at least one more player. Uh, but I think sensibly, they want to know what they have before they they exactly. you know go out and add another player. Because it's like the chances are they can probably go sign one more impact player. Uh, but they might as well wait till the summer when they not only know who what they really need. Like if there's clearly a need that they can go out and fill. 
Uh, but beyond that, there's just a lot more uh, talent available in the summer. So you hit it right on, Jeremiah. That is exactly the phrase that describes why they didn't do it. They want to see who are the players that we're going to produce, which they, they have to see these players to figure yeah. out what's going to be their next move. And look what he's come out of. Obed Vargas has been a, a bright light that they may, perhaps you wouldn't have seen if you have or somebody Jackson else. Reagan. Jackson Reagan is somebody else who I was very skeptical about, to be quite frank, regardless of how well regarded he was coming out of Tacoma Defiance, and he just looked the part. So all of these players that are getting in is what a lot of fans have to look at and, and, and have some patience and trust the system. I mean, if there's anything that Garth uh, and, and Craig and, and the Sanders organization have earned is the benefit of the doubt yeah. is that they know what yeah. they're doing. You know, Garth is the best GM in the league, hands down to Nico Moreno. And that's not even a discussion Timmy. So uh, they have the benefit of the doubt, guys. Be patient. The league is a very long league. This is not, uh, you know, La Liga or the Premier League where every single game counts because it's a long season and it's points. No, it, 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 a lot like other playoff uh, systems, you can, you know, just play your way in, in, into getting in position and, and, and eventually getting well in into the playoffs. And, yeah, so so just have patience. Yeah, and I would say to circle back to kind of where we started, if you have to choose between sacrificing a the second game of the season to RSL in order to improve your chances in a Champions League game against Club León, you make that trade every single time. Like it's not like even if you do, even if the Sounders blow the game against uh, León, it still was the right decision to, you know, rest guys on Saturday. Like you have to put yourself in the best position possible against Leon. And as far as I can tell, nothing that they did on Saturday is making it harder on, on Tuesday. So um, that's the situation you want to avoid. Hopefully it works out. Uh, hopefully next time we're talking about this, we're talking about how did the Sounders manage this lead that they built? And uh, <laughs> I like uh, it. I like it. Hey, look, if Dom Dark could can make a difference over there for Atlanta, why not Freddie, man? Let, right. Let, exactly. Let, hey, let, let Freddie shine. Yeah, Hashtag yeah. Let Freddie shine. There you go. All right. Well, I think with that, I'm going to sign off. Thank you, Nico Moreno. Uh, hopefully you follow him on Twitter. He's El Rolo NW. Uh, you probably know that you can read him on Sounder at Heart. You can read him on Pulso. Uh, you can read him all over the place. Uh, but thank you for joining me, Nico. Thank you, Jeremiah. And uh, a big, huge uh, a greeting to all of your your followers, man. I, I love it. I, I read all your comments, guys. I, I really do. I really appreciate all of you, man. So thanks for having me as always. All right. Thank you.